Good afternoon, Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and welcome to another episode of our Faith Lab podcast. Um, during our Faith Lab conversations, we engage in honest conversations about our faith and about authentic relationships, and we talk about theology. My name is Margo Richardson. I'm Selwyn's director for youth and young adults. And this afternoon, we are here to continue our sermon series, Walking with Jesus. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And this afternoon, we, in our text, we meet Jesus and his disciples in small fishing boats out at sea. We're going to be looking specifically at uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And I'm going to read our scripture for us. And let's all hear what God is saying to us today. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Margot. This is one of people's favorite stories in, in the gospel. It's full of imagery and packed full also of theology. I would like to just start our conversation by considering some of the, the imagery itself and remember that in the gospel of Mark, we can expect Jesus to be on the go. Jesus is constantly finding finding us where we are. And so very quickly, Jesus has been teaching on dry land uh, to disciples and to those who would come and hear him. And when the day is done, he invites his disciples off the stable, the stable land and into a rocky boat immediately. And so I wonder just to start, if we might reflect a minute on what it must have been like for the disciples to have been faithful enough to get in the boat, uh, knowing that the boat was on its way to Gentile country, uh, a land that they typically would never visit. And for um, people in their faith would have been considered a land of unclean people. Yeah, so when I hear you say that, this is Lisa. Um, you know, I think about the fact that these disciples who have been following Jesus know enough about him to get in that boat, even though it says it was, you know, in the evening. So the, the sun is setting and they get in this boat and they're going across to the other side, which, as you mentioned, is a land of, of Gentiles. Um, so they trusted him, right? They, they knew they were up for an adventure with him, um, but yet 
it quickly, you know, as soon as the boat gets rocky, they starts questioning and faltering. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Lori. I think I think about the people in the boat and these, these disciples, and we know that they had various trades, but a lot of them were fishermen and knew the sea and they knew water and they knew how to navigate. Um, and so I also imagine they're in this boat, they're on this way to this unknown territory that's kind of scary and they believe and they trust in Jesus and they're like, yeah, we'll come with you. But as the storm comes in, I imagine a lot of them would have seen that wind coming and said, like, we need to turn back. <laughs> like, what are what are we doing out here? <laughs> this, this storm's picking up. It's getting crazy. We saw the wind earlier today. Our boats are too small. Um, but but they're still following Jesus. So I think, yeah, that, that faith is strong and that um, a, a lot of them probably knew better or knew that something was coming. Yeah, like some sort of intuition, Margot. I think it's safe to say that every time we see somebody approach the sea in the Bible, that we should be warned that something big is going to happen. That the imagery of the sea scripturally is an image of chaos and danger and uncertainty. And so for Mark, who is a writer that is really focused on um, apocalyptic thought, you know, the idea that the end was near, the sea and the idea of these disciples trusting Jesus enough to get into the boat um, should warn us that something big is about to happen. Um, as, as if it did like Noah uh, in the sea or the Israelites on their way to freedom as a the, the, the Red Sea parted, uh, Jonah and the whale, all of these images should come into play. Um, Psalm 69, which, you know, pleads to God, like, you know, to save him from, from sinking into the depths of the sea. That's what's going on right here. And why we can expect such fear and anxiety uh, when this big windstorm comes around, uh, as if the sea is a character in the narrative. And so we should ask ourselves, what does it mean to be throw, thrown into chaos? Um, not just as people of faith, but as people living um, at, at, at any human as, as we all live. Yeah, that's, you know, I think these days we all know a little something about chaos. And um, this is a, a brief aside, but a little known fact, I do not swim in lakes and oceans. I love a good pool where I can see the bottom, but I'm not swimming in a lake and an ocean. And you, Lori, have just helped me have the best reason why. It's just chaos. Why would you get in that willing, right? So there you go. But I think we can all relate to the chaos, right? Um, you know, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's learning to uh, be at home uh, for our jobs, uh, whether it's, you know, the people we've lost uh, to the disease or the kids at home or, the hungry families or the tent city uptown, um, you know, we've all felt our boats that the wind has arrived and um, we've taken on a bunch of water. And, and then where's Jesus, right? Like, where's Jesus in all this? Is he asleep? Margo, isn't that the part of the story you like? Yeah, I, I love napping Jesus. Um, just that's my favorite imagery, I think. And I think that 
Lori, I love the, um, I absolutely love thinking of, of the sea and the, and the storm, like as a character in this. Cause I think also so often in our lives, we're like, it happens and it goes away. But like to really think about like, well, if it's a character, what's the role that it plays? What's the part that it plays? How does it move us and shake us or change us? And, and I, I just love that imagery, especially Lisa, thinking about everything that we're going through in 2021 in a year that's different, but also very similar to 2020 still. Um, and I think that's, that's why I love Napping Jesus. And that's why I love this story is because I know myself in my life, I regularly am like, hey, Jesus, where are you at? <laughs> and, and then I'm like, hey, feels like he's napping right now. He's not as easy for me to get to. Um, he's not just in the next room working on something. Um, and that's, and that's hard, um, and human. And that's what the disciples are doing when they cry out, when Jesus is on the cushion in the back of the boat, taking a snooze. Um, I think that's very real for a lot of us these days and how we feel. Yeah. I think it's even more existential than that too, Margo. I mean, it's the moment when, um, you're watching a loved one die and your world is falling apart or you've already lost someone and everybody else, their lives have gone back to normal and you're sinking, you know, like the world around you is swirling there. You know, you're walking through life as if you were in a fog, you can't think clearly or you lose a job or you go through a divorce uh, or you find out, you know, an untruth, <laughs> um, with somebody that you love and nothing makes sense anymore. And then you're crying out, don't, don't you see Jesus that I'm drowning here and you know, you're sawing logs down, down in the stern or wherever he was. It's, it's offensive, especially after you've had enough trust to get in the boat, to go to dangerous places in the first place, you know? So, to me, I always read this like with this sense of indignation, like he has some nerve asking me to get in this boat and then everything I care about is being stripped away from me and oh, I may die, like I'm sinking in this and he's, he's taking melatonin and is, I don't, you know, Lord knows what he's doing, but he's not up helping me face my own demise, you know? Yeah. Big things has, tend to happen in scripture when Jesus tries to rest. Um, I think that's interesting. <laughs> um, I think we'll see that a lot as we continue in this sermon series. There's a lot of times Jesus wants to rest and, and things happen. Um, I, um, I think about Jesus being asleep and, and I wonder why that why that's such an important thing for the disciples and for this for this story that Jesus had to be asleep at one point and that you know I can imagine the the waters pouring in over the edges of their little fishing boat their sails are probably tearing they're they're screaming you know do you not care that we perish <laughs> and um and then Jesus wakes up and and does something miraculous and, and rebukes this storm. And um, I think that that act that Jesus does, um, that's got to freak the disciples out, right? 
Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, he First of all, he doesn't get angry with them about being anxious in the storm. Um, he has issues with them being afraid after, after there was peace, after he rebuked the winds. And Brian Blunt writes in one of his commentaries on the Gospel of Mark that, you know, in Scripture it says there was a dead calm. You know, and so the Greek word for dead indicates, uh, you know, a death, like a killing, as if Jesus has uh, slayed the dragons beneath the sea. You know, so Jesus has you know, defeated apocalyptic chaos and evil. Um, well, that's scary, you know, to, to follow a Savior that can do that where it's just dead silent and calm after the chaos that's when they are afraid it's like um it makes me think of that phrase be careful what you pray for or ask for right um because you might actually get it and you know the disciples get him up and he handles business and uh, you know, I think one of the things I read indicated that maybe before this, they weren't even really sure of who he was. You know, he's this great teacher, but that this is maybe one of those early moments where their eyes were opened to, oh, this, this might actually be the son of God, right? Who, who is this that can slay the chaos and stop the storm and the wind and, um, you know, now they have a whole new understanding or fear, right? Like, what, what does it now mean to follow someone like this? And You know, let the record state that the church was on dry land and institutionally stable at least a year ago in 2019. And no longer is that the case that the, the church has been upended by the church. I mean, yes, Selwyn Avenue has been upended, but the church at large has been thrown into a boat and forced into chaos in our attempts to be faithful to Christ. And so nothing is stable anymore. And yet, like, Jesus is still pulling us over, over to the other side, uh, into the unknown, and it feels pretty scary and we're not sure how it's going to end up, and we're, you know, everything has changed. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. Well, you're right. You know, you saying that, it sort of reminds me of, you know, some of our early conversations, right? Like, how are we going to be the church? And um, it's like all that really matters bubbles up to the surface right like what are the essentials and and okay well we're going to offer some worship and we're going to offer times to be together and we're going to offer some times to love our neighbors right and it's like you know the church is sort of reorienting like the disciples were right like they had to come to terms with oh okay here's who Here's who we're dealing with, and we're following a guy who is the son of God, and okay, church, 
what are we dealing with? What really matters, right? What is it we, who do we need to be as followers of Jesus today? And what does that mean for the church? Yeah. And they couldn't turn the boat around. Like I, that, that is, I think, huge for what you're speaking to right now, Lisa. Like they couldn't turn the boat around and go back to that shore where they started. Um, the wind had probably already pushed them. They were really close. The, the unknown, after a storm like that, you want to get on land. <laughs> um, but the land was still scary and unknown. And I think that, that is, that's, that's where we are. I think for people who may have joined us for this little podcast as we prepare for worship on Sunday, the question might be, why, why are you afraid now? Knowing that you're somebody that has already engaged with Christ in some way in your life, or you're curious about that. And so you're in the boat. Uh, you've experienced God's grace in your life, and yet there's still fear um, as we're moving through the storm. And so no matter where you are or what you're doing, uh, the question I think between now and Sunday might be, what, what is it that you're afraid of now? And perhaps um, you can also reflect on how Christ has calmed the storms in your life and guided you through to the other side in a way that was unexpected, but better than you could have expected to. Um, and with that, I'm going to share a blessing that was written by Jan Richardson, who has been one of my favorite writers through the season of the pandemic. This one is called Jonah's Blessing, and you can find it in her book entitled The Cure for Sorrow, um, which recently came out. It comes as small surprise that you would turn your back on this blessing, that you would run far from the direction in which it calls, that you would try to put an ocean between yourself and what it asks. Something in you knows this blessing could swallow you whole, no matter which way you turn. Hard to believe then that every line of this blessing swims in grace. Grace that, in the end, even you will find hard to fathom. So swiftly does it come, and with such completeness, encompassing all it meets. What to do then with such a blessing that depends so little on us, and yet asks of us everything? What to do with a blessing that comes with such strange provision, every inch of it looking like something that will draw us into our own dying Trust me when I say, all at once is for you to fall in, to let yourself find yourself engulfed within the curious refuge that it holds, and then to go in the direction it propels you, following its flow that will bear you where you desired not, where you dreamt not, yet none but you could land. Amen. Go in peace, and we'll see you soon.